Some animals are born, live, and die in one place. Their homes are never far away, and they're familiar with all they survey. But some species travel great distances driven by some unknown impulse. A journey can change you, and it does just that for the European eel. But their travels force them from carefree days in sunny streams into the shadows of the sea. But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And someone's mowing the lawn. But thank you it's not to me. Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube and Spotify. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check it out, you can uh, follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy, or you can visit us at our home on the web at ldtaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about an ocean journey that puts Finding Nemo to shame, but more on that later. Interesting. I didn't know you were going to take that route. What do you mean? I don't know. If, if listeners don't know, we don't do a whole lot of discussion on what we're going to talk about. So for uh, in a lot of cases, the major fact is a surprise to the person who's doing the general info. Finding Nemo, I mean, we. I wonder how, how far they actually traveled from some reef in somewhere near australia to sydney could could have been like that's true they three could miles. have traveled a long way <laughs> they could have traveled a but, very long way or they could have traveled not very long but in finding dory they go to california so one of those travels was exceedingly long <laughs> which current were they in the, with the, the sea turtles the east australian current okay the so. eac come on <laughs> Do you have any names for it? Wait, have we even talked? We have, we're talking about the European what? eel. That's one name for it. Yes, there's one name for it. That's the name that you will uh, find pictures of it with. But we're also we're going to call it here because European eel is so bland, and that's not a knock on Europeans, but it's just like it's an eel in Europe. So we're going to call it here, Elver Morning, <laughs> which. Do I need to explain that? <laughs> You'll Probably. find out later. Uh, sure, yeah, I'll explain it once we get to that point. Um, Long John Silvering, because it's a fish. And this is this one's a good one. This is my favorite. Samuel Eel Jackson, because he <laughs> because he plays Mister Glass in Unbreakable. <laughs> uh, what are you if you want to eat an eel but you don't want to eat its skin? You're appealing eel. Ew. <laughs> peeling eel. That's uh, Key and Peeling eel. <laughs> That's my favorite comedy trio. It's just Key and Peel and then an actual just living eel. And uh, it, it mostly just flops with great comedic timing on stage or in the, in the skits. But let's taxonomize this eel. So it's a kingdom we know, love, and are in. The kingdom is Animalia. The phylum is Chordata. And the class is, it's a bony fish, so... Let me hear it. Actinopterygi. I think we mentioned this last episode. Uh, because we did the uh, the ray, and that's not 
a bony fish, cartilaginous. Um, the order for the eel is anguilliformes, unless you want to say angiliformes, if you're going to take it uh, full Italian, but I'm pretty sure it's anguilliformes, which is eels. Uh, the family is anguillidae, which is freshwater eels. The genus is anguilla, and the species, anguilla. So lots of ang- anguil uh, stuff going on in this taxonomy, in this science. So the nomenclature is anguilla, anguilla. Indeed. But since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Cue the music. Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the collective noun for this animal? And we're doing eels. Uh, or what is the term of venery? It's another way of saying it. Or what is the... What's the name of a group? You just have a bunch of them. Uh, fortunately, eels have several great collective nouns. And uh, the last one we did for the moray eel uh, was array. If you don't, if you don't remember. Uh, but there are several more. So, Joe, if you saw a group of eels, would you call it A, a pipe of eels, B, a gauge of eels, C, a timber of eels, or D, a pattern of eels? And timber is spelled T-I-M-B-R-E, as in timber, as in the, uh, like a, like a, a pitch or a resonance. I'm going to go with the timber, then. Oh, sounds good. Is that your final answer? Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Ah, incorrect. The answer was pipe. Hmm. That was my last guess, so <laughs> I'm not sad about it. Well, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with um, my lineup. Actually, the best one is if it's, like, if it's between the two and you pick the wrong one. That's Those are my favorites. Uh, but uh, I, shouldn't pipe, have, I shouldn't have uh, spent so much time on timber. That, that's a pipe is a word that might come to your head if you were just looking at an eel. So that's why I didn't think it was. It sounds too made up. Because it made sense a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's a it's a pipe of eels. You can also say an array of eels. And if we ever do another eel, you'll hear another collective noun i love it when animals have many collective nouns this is especially true for birds and i'm getting i'm running out of stuff when it comes to just regular fish and like frogs and lizards and things like that because they only have like one or two maybe and then then we got to go to the nitty-gritty nomenclature or the lizards and things is my favorite textile store yeah, it's only in Florida, and you just buy, like, ha- alligator ha- hats made out of entire alligators. <laughs> Which are not lizards. No, 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 but I there's no way that a Lizards and Things store in Florida would not have alligator hats. That's true. Anyway, let's talk about what this thing looks like. Uh, it looks like an eel. It's long. It's thin. It's straw-like. I mean, there really isn't... like <laughs> There isn't a ton to... Uh, to say about it, it i mean it's not like it, it looks like your standard eel and it doesn't have all of like the defining features that say uh, a moray eel has uh, it is a long thin snake-like fish um it is 
it has uh, brownish greenish um, skin on the top and a lighter underbelly it's counter shaded like many fish are or many animals in general are um, it has a very long dorsal fin that stretches from about the middle of its long back all the way to the tail and then it has um, uh, another fin on its underbelly that stretches from its tail uh, a little not, not quite all the way up to its um, the where the the dorsal fin is so it's it's a, it's a bit asymmetrical down the middle there it has two little pectoral fins that help it to navigate and steer um, but mostly it uses its uh, its serpentine motion to to get forward uh, forward motion and um, it has a, a very thin narrow barracuda-esque face not quite so barracuda-esque but it still has it kind of gives off that vibe um and yeah for the most part its body uh, on the second on the latter half near the tail is is flat rather than round um but the rest of it is, is just big big honking snake fish or i said big how big is it big enough to skip to the next section now uh, let's facts. talk about <laughs> Measure Up, uh, welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new Measure Up intro this week. Ooh. Joy uh, has sent us another one. Yes. She says, this... Me- this Measure Up intro was recorded by my class at Classical Conversations. Of I can't wait. Here we go. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. What are the classifications of living things? Ready? Domain. Kingdom. Phylum. Class. Order. Family. Genus. Species. Measure That was, that was great. I love how one kid just screams. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that our friend Calvin is very excited about Buzz Lightyear. I mean, I and who can blame him? <laughs> wow, that was great. Thank you so much, Joy. That was uh, we're, we're you're teaching good things. I think kids. when I was his age, it like the Lion King, and then. Toy Story were top tier, top tier movies. Those are my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of Buzz Lightyear, that's going to come up in this Measure Up intro. But first, let's talk length. Or this Measure Up, not intro. Um, but their end, their upper end is one meter to three feet and three inches. That's females. They're slightly bigger. Um, so some have been found over four feet. But we're, we're going to go with the one meter, three feet, three inches. Uh, how many European eels go into the length of the USS Cyclops? That sounds cool. Is it a sub? Submarine sandwich. Nice. Without the sandwich. Uh, here's a hint. The ship went missing in 1918 on a trip between Salvador in Brazil and Baltimore, Maryland. It is thought that a combination of cracked en- a cracked engine part 
Overloaded cargo and bad weather sank the ship. Oh, no wreckage has ever been found. It's not a sub. No. It's just a regular ship. It's a submarine sandwich. Just on a take ship. away the submarine part. Take away the sandwich part. And add a ship. So it it is. So it's, it is. <laughs> it's it's being an essence. <laughs> so yeah, how many eels go into the Cyclops? I'm try, I'm trying to figure out how either a ship or Cyclops um, relate to this animal. Well, because it was going to Maryland, and it's going to go through a place where it went through a place where they live, oh. and also went through the where where they the eel live, sort of. Okay, but it also went through the Bermuda Triangle, which is a scary place. Is that where it was lost? I mean, you did just. I uh, actually it was don't lost. know, but I assume between Brazil and Baltimore, you have to go through the Bermuda Triangle. It left from Brazil and went to Baltimore. And pass through the range of the European eel. Yes. Oh yeah, I guess we will talk about that later. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you did say. I it, thought you knew about this. You did say it was. Uh, they they do uh, they do travel quite a bit. Um. All right. So and this is a cargo ship. And when was this? Nineteen eighteen. Nineteen eighteen. So that so it's it's small, probably smaller than like the Titanic. Which I don't even know how big the Titanic was. I'll say 200, and you said this is 3.3? So the answer is 60. 60. We'll just say 60. 60 eels, end to end, going to the length of this ship. The Cyclops lost at sea with Amelia Earhart. And all of the other people that we see at the end of Close Encounters. Spoiler alert for Close Encounters. Final answer? Yes. 60 eels. Okay, you're close, but you're 105 off. It's 165 <laughs> eels. So you lied. I'm not close. Why are you lying? <laughs> close to relative. Me, to me and everyone. Close is relative. You know, you could um, have said negative one million eels, or one or positive one million eels. the The ship was 100. What 542 feet or 165 meters. It's a big ship. Long. Big ship. Big cargo ship. The USS uh, Cyclops talk. is a cool name for a ship. Name? Yeah. It's, we hardly knew you. Uh, so let's talk lifespan. So they can live up to 80 years. But one specimen called the Brantevic eel lived to be 155. Yeah, that's crazy. Clearly he honored his father and mother since his days were so long upon the land. Or he had the one ring. That's true. One of those two things is is probably true <laughs> about this eel. Or maybe both. <laughs> Can you honor your so, father and mother and also have the one ring? I don't know. E- yeah, Frodo yeah. did a little bit. So how many Brantevic eel ages would go? In, would it take to cross the Milky Way galaxy at light speed? Huh. Seems pretty good. I thought you were going to go... I thought I was going to have to do like... You're going to go really crazy with it, which I know this is going to be a big number, but I thought you were going to be like, how many eel ages uh, go into the number of molecules in the Milky Way <laughs> or something like that? Like, <laughs> um, okay, Poof, I do not know. I, I, I've come across this piece of information before, how uh, the diameter of the Milky Way, and uh, the, it promptly left my brain forever. <laughs> 
in, <laughs> in favor of um, a Pokemon type chart. I memorized all the, all the type, types of effective and weakness, strengths and weaknesses and stuff. Um, much more helpful in my day-to-day. <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, goodness. See, this is a problem. I wouldn't be surprised if the answer was one, if it was 155 light years, which is probably not. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it was 155 million light years. The the size of things in space can be can be very, very different from one another. And it's always changing. So whatever the answer is, it's already wrong. Um, I'll say a thousand light years. Oh, this is where Buzz comes in. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to say it's a thousand light years across because I know it's like a lot more than that to Andromeda. And I know you can't, if if you just put the Milky Way on its end, you wouldn't reach Andromeda. So I'm going to say a thousand, which means the answer is 6.4, uh, Ray, Bravel, uh, Eel Lifespans. Brantovic, Eel, yeah, Reykjavik, uh, eel life how many 6.4 final answer yes you were right uh, really close again but you were off by two decimal points <laughs> it's 60 654 eels ages so it's it would take around 100,000 years to cross the galaxy at light speed oh my goodness <laughs> You, so that means you that keep must, getting digit the digits right, but the decimals wrong. Yeah, so Andromeda must be millions and millions of light years away, which I'm, I was pretty sure was the case. Goodness, that's big. That is, and, big. All, and we only know that because of uh, red, red and blue shift. Mm-hmm. But that's a topic for another time. No, it's because not. that's we're all do, I got. We're never gonna, I don't think we'll ever go into red and blue shift. Maybe we will. <laughs> Something moves so fast. You ready for some fast facts? Yes. Uh, well, I'll put this in the fast facts since I wrote it down. But they weigh an average of 14.5 pounds, as I found from a Nat Geo article, because it wasn't on Wikipedia. Uh, so they live, They their main area of life is uh, in the lakes and rivers of Western Europe, Russia, Scandinavia, and even North Africa and Turkey. At least when I say their main area, this is their... Uh, their um, living grounds. Yeah, this is where they... This, yeah. Their stomping grounds. But they're eels. Eel stomp. Slapping grounds? <laughs> yes. This is definitely their slapping grounds. Uh, that eel slaps. I do know that that uh, millennial colloquialism. That, that phrase? Yeah. We're going to talk about TikTok a little bit later, so that's good. I love... I'm so happy. I love talking about TikTok. It's my, fav- <laughs> it's my favorite internet. Um, the diet of the European eel is uh, fish, mollusks, crustaceans insects and worms at least in its um freshwater habitat oh did i say the did i say all the places where it lives it lives in the freshwater lakes and rivers of uh western europe russia scandinavia and even north africa and turkey so it's got quite a quite a long range all the way up from northern norway all the way down to the mediterranean in libya it's like so that's a that's a wide variety of of ecosystems and water temperatures to live in. Um, they're really good swimmers, but they're also relatively good climbers. 
they can uh, climb dams and even go up on land for short periods of time, and they eat slugs and worms. They are critically endangered. Uh, but researchers aren't exactly sure why. At least they can't pinpoint a single major factor. Uh, one potential major factor is the number of dams that have been built in Europe, which is over 24,000. Um, yeah, it's a lot, I guess. But Europe's a big place. And they can climb dams uh, in their early stages of life. But climbing that many is a, is a bit uh, too tall of an order for your average eel. Yeah, exactly. They can climb like s- small dams, but like if you're thinking of the Hoover Dam, they can't climb that. <laughs> also, the whole wall needs to be wet in order for them to be able to climb up it. Kind of like the Gobi fish, which we covered uh, a few seasons ago. Um, and also, it really slows them down to climb over dams and in and basically big op- river obstacles, uh, and it in- impedes their migratory life cycle. And uh, they have also been used as food, a major food source in the past, uh, specifically jellied eels, which is a delicacy that does not sound good at all. But maybe it is. <laughs> Who knows? I like to, my, I like my, I only like my jelly to be jellied. Everything else can remain unjellied, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Um, and sounds like a fuds menu thing. A what? Have you ever seen the fuds menu? Fuds. Like F U D S, F. It's actually foods. It's I think it's F umlaut D S. But it's a fake menu, on the internet. That's funny. Although I think there's some swearing in it. Okay. You know, as menus usually have fudsmenu.com. dot com. As, as menus usually. Have. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll have my eyes will remain unsullied because I don't know. I don't have an umlaut uh, key on my keyboard. <laughs> Um, but you can order things on it like a radish arugula blend with a silk horse dress sauce. <laughs> a radish arugula blend. <laughs> that sounds like a wine. Silk horse dress sauce. Nice. Because they are endangered, they cannot be fished for food in Europe anymore, but they are still exported to Asian markets illegally and the last uh fast fact is that they are catadromous catadromous which is a word uh just learned it's it's a fish that migrates from freshwater to the sea to spawn where like a salmon a a salmon the opposite would be oh wait what was the word you can edit this like i know what i'm talking about (laughs) <laughs> anadromous anadromous is going from uh the sea to freshwater to spawn which is what salmon do if they're not eaten by bears and uh that's all i got do you have anything major i do have something major in fact i have something very major and it's very long so strap in all right so where do eel babies come from it's a question that has baffled science for ages all the way back to Aristotle, who thought they spontaneously grew out of the mud. Like like and then, dwarf women? Yeah, and then Pliny the Elder thought, like, no, 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 that's stupid, Aristotle. They they rub their bodies on, like, gravel on the, the floor of the, the river, and that gravel becomes new eels. But uh, a TikTok account called Cole the Science Dude brought this to internet attention. 
let's hear that for a second. All of the mysteries that have tortured scientists for centuries, the one that is by far the most bizarre to me is that to this day, we still don't know where eels come from, or more accurately, how eels make there be more eels. You heard me correctly. We have been to the moon, and yet we still do not know how eels sexually reproduce. And even weirder than that, what little we know about the reproductive cycle involves the Bermuda Triangle, and I couldn't even make that up. Okay. So he goes on to say other things, and I hate to yuck his yums, but a lot of the stuff he said, because he is excited about animals, and that's good. But let's get into that. So he leaves out a major fact about the European eel that makes this phenomenon sound way more mysterious, if you don't know it. Uh, But they have a complex life cycle with six different stages, or more, but several different stages. So we know a bit more about the eel reproduction uh, than Cole leads us to believe. But eel reproduction is still weird and amazing. He also mentions that their reproduction has to do with the Bermuda Triangle, which makes this even more mysterious. Technically, their reproduction has to do with the Sargasso Sea, which is an area of the Atlantic Ocean that overlaps with the Bermuda Triangle. But it also includes miles of ocean north and east of the Bermuda Triangle. But the Sargasso Sea is an area of the ocean that has four currents that form what an ocean gyre or a giant circle of currents. So okay. it's like a big whirlpool, huge. So is that why they call it gyrodose? <laughs> maybe. They uh, these unique conditions make that part of the ocean weird. Most notably, it often sees very little to no wind movement. Uh, which vexed early sailors. The sea also has a unique type of seaweed called sargassum seaweed, which is the nasty, slimy seaweed that tickles your leg and freaks you out whenever you swim on the Atlantic coast. Oh, that stuff's gross. Or if you've ever been with me on Deerfield Beach and had something thrown at you, that was sargassum. Do you you make a point to throw... Um, sargassum seaweed at, at people that you take to Deerfield Beach? It's very funny. Okay. Because it is nasty to touch, but it ultimately harmless. Uh, Remind me never to go to the beach with you. <laughs> so between the lack of wind and the tangle of seaweed that sailors mistakenly thought could gum up boats, but is not usually not thick enough, the Sargasso Sea came to be known as Cursed, and it's often linked to the Bermuda Triangle uh, in lore. But they're, they're, they're not a hundred percent in the same area, but they do overlap. But the seaweed is what's very interesting to our friend, the eel. Eels start life as eggs in the seaweed in the middle of the Sargasso Sea. So they, they hatch as flat, transparent larvae called leptocephalus. And they're like these little leaf shaped animals uh that are completely clear and they're carried eastward on ocean currents toward europe so it takes them two years to get there and they travel as much as six thousand kilometers when they reach coastlines what leptocephalus is evolving uh (laughs) turns out lepto lepto means thin so leptocephalus just means thin head uh, the seal change. Uh, the eel changes. The se- 
It changes into an eel. No, I'm just kidding. A seal. Dang it. I don't know what seals and eels are. The eel changes into its next form, which is called a glass seal. Which a is... A glass eel. Which which is why... The glass yeah. eeling. <laughs> uh, that's why I called it Samuel Eel Jackson. Yeah, Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. So they're still transparent in this stage, but they take on a more familiar eel shape. And a handful looks kind of like rice noodles. Um, so they hang out on the coast until they're ready to move inland upstream. But before they do that, they have to go into stealth mode. So they change once again into a stage called an elver, which are brown and better at camouflaging in inland streams. You also had a name that had to do with that, right? Yeah, Elver Morning. Um, it the the Harry Potter Magic School for in America. America is called Elver Morning, but these are Elver Morning. They're morning because they're sad elvers because there's not a lot of them. Oh, okay. There's, <laughs> and yeah, that's all I got. But even even though they live in a place. In Europe, which so they would go to Hogwarts and not Ilvermorny. Correct. Yes, but and they're also sad because they go to Ilvermorny and they're in currently in Europe. Uh, so elvers are relentless in their journey, and they may come out of the water to cross fallen branches or rocks that block their path. They may even cross land like a bullseye snakehead and climb dams. And you mentioned go yeah climb dams. Uh, once they find a nice two bed and two bath home with a white picket fence for under 300,000, uh, in South Florida. So definitely not in Europe, which is impossible. (laughs) Uh, they stay there to eat and grow. This is when they enter their next stage, which is called yellow eels. So they stay like this for up to 20 years among females Hmm. or I don't know if it's just females, but 20 years is like the upper end of how long they stay there. So at some point they start to feel the sea longing and heed the call of the Valinor to begin their journey into the West. All they have to do is just hear the cry of a seagull. Yeah. At this point they turn into silver eels because all will fade to silver glass. (laughs) Wow. A light on the water. All souls pass. And this Uh, is why I called it long John silvering. (laughs) So amazingly, their body chemistry changes to live in salt water after years of fresh water living. They also skip the lambus bread because their stomachs, stomachs shrink to streamline themselves for travel. Their pupils also grow so that they can see in the darker ocean as hope fades into a world of night. <laughs> She's going to ride this <laughs> song all the way to the end of the episode. Absolutely. Uh, When they reach their spawning grounds, they release eggs, which are fertilized externally, which uh, our friend the TikToker said that we have no idea how they reproduce, because if you cut open an eel, you won't find any reproductive organs. That's true, because certain stages of them are not built for reproduction. But the ones that go into the ocean, which we've never, I don't think we've ever caught, uh, the, the ones that spawn must have some sort of way to fertilize. So the eels are thought to clump together to fertilize eggs. Uh, and then the eggs nestle into the sargassum to start the cycle again. Then the white shores call to the adults and their gray ships pass into the West because they die. 
Sleep their, now and dream of the ones who came before. Their organs start to fail on this stage because they're no longer built to like swim around and eat. They're built to travel and then mate. Which so it seems odd that they have such long lifespans in captivity. Uh, Cole also mentioned that they could not get them to breed in captivity, which is wrong. He's right that they tried to do it for a really long time and it was tough. Uh, but they did do it in 2006 and it was very involved. They had to simulate a 4,000 mile journey and changes between salt and freshwater. And they even used hormones to like trigger changes. So they had to kind of like simulate their whole process in order to get them to mate. That's but a lot they of did it, which is, which sounds incredible. Like, that they were able to trick, simulate that? Yeah, you're going to trick this animal into like thinking it's gone on this 4,000-mile journey. I don't, I they don't, say, I don't they even know how like, you would do that. Like with a... Oh, they use some sort of like machine. That like continuously jets water at them, yeah, changes temperature, makes, changes salinity, changes yeah. uh, detritus levels. That's That's nuts. I don't know about all of that, but yeah. But the larvae only survived for four and a half days after hatching. What? The the larvae that they, after breeding. Oh, oh. I was like, in general? That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> They're so fast. Uh, it was a, they, with a swimming machine they used. Hmm. It's a treadmill for fish. Yeah, I think Michael Phelps has one of those. But there you have it. 4,000 miles. 4,000 miles and six cycles. Depending on where the coral reef where they live is, that may or may not put uh, Nemo and Nemo's journey to, to shame. Um, but if it doesn't put Nemo... But they, like I said, they go to both Sydney and uh, Monterey. So... One of those trips was thousands of miles. <laughs> well, I mean, I said I put it to shame. Not necessarily in distance. I mean, all Marlon had to do was, was change his outlook. and his. He had to change emotionally. He had to grow an emotional yeah, intelligence. He, he had to go in the he hero's journey. He didn't go journey. through f- six whole physical life cycles. Like when the characters in Inside Out go through that chamber that turns them into 2D stuff. They go through all the in in stars. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I've if you ever watch a video of um, Elvers going up a, a dam, there's one particular video where there's like a pool and it's just s- squirming. It's teeming with these things, and several of them are wriggling their way up the up this the side of the wall um, fruitlessly because there's like a big tree branch above it, and there's no way they're gonna be able to go upside down and over it, but. Um, the surface tension of the water actually keeps them stuck to the uh, the side of the dam. Without water, they can't wriggle up. It's crazy. I love the fact that they're called Elvers. That's 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 pretty cool. It just sounds like a like an elf something. <laughs> <laughs> it's an elf. It's an elf fish. He's an angry elf. All right. So I got. That's all I got. All right. That was the European eel. 4,000 miles to have all of its organs fail in it and die. 
A lot like the salmon. Salmon just die after spawning. What a life. Yeah. Um, so they've, they've they've achieved their goals. Yeah, and this is this if if you've listened to our panda episode, this is in stark contrast to that. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you th- the these animals their entire life is focused on reproducing. As soon as they're done with that, they die. And then like you know, you got the the anglerfish, or the black anglerfish, where the male doesn't even have a mouth. It's it's born, it develops for like a week, and then it needs to find um, a female to fuse its face to and die. Otherwise, it's just gonna die anyway. And then on the other hand, you have pandas that just don't like where reproduction is just so low on the priority list. But not not so for the European eel. They're doing the 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 right animal thing <laughs> to do, um, and they're hard workers. So, for you out there in Podcastia, wriggle over your obstacles, be catadromous, and be ever vigilant, like the European eel here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores slash taxonomy teas. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. <laughs> if you eat too much jelly deal, European eel. Yeah. <laughs> European eel. <laughs> Actually, if you eat any jelly deal, your eel will eventually be a peony eel. <laughs>